All right, we are live. Welcome back to another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops Pod, and we are doing a not even emergent. We're just doing a trade deadline pod with with the boy Tyler today. What a insane deadline that we had. Um, I feel like <clears throat> you know I. I'm biased, but obviously I I feel like the NBA is the best league for multiple different reasons. But I think the trade deadline is um, just one of those reasons, man. Every single year, it seems like teams are are looking to improve, looking to find guys and, and ways to, to improve the roster to make a run at things. And this year was no different. Um, and so T's here. We have a million different trades to go through. Probably not going to get through all of them, but we're definitely going to get through the major ones. Um, and I'll say even... Like it, it kind of seemed after the Kyrie deal that it might be like a lighter deadline. I know things generally pick up like right the, the day of, uh, but for a while there, I was like, "Damn, are are we even gonna get anything?" Um, but <laughs> safe to say, we we definitely got our our money's worth, and um, I'm ready to talk about it, bro. T, how are you doing, bro? I'm doing all right, man. Yeah, I think deadline day, the first day of. Uh, of the after the moratorium and free agency over the summer um christmas day like just some of my favorite days of the nba calendar um and today just uh didn't disappoint i guess as early as early this morning Morning, uh, when the kd news dropped kicked off last night so yeah yeah let's let's, uh and just so you guys know i'll do my best to mute but a little sick so uh, you might hear me sniffling here and there, but just a heads up. Um, all right, bro. Let's start with that. That obvious that the big one, one of the bigger deals we've seen in a while. Uh, Suns and Nets. Suns get KD and TJ Warren. Nets get four first round picks, a pick swap, Cam Johnson, McCall Bridges, and Jay Crowder. T, what'd you think of this one from both sides, or any thoughts all around it? <clears throat> I mean. Obviously, I wasn't able to like watch the news today because I was at work, but I don't even know if this deal got enough coverage, like how crazy it is for someone that is arguably a top 10, top 15 player in the history of the league to be outright traded. I mean, you see player movement from top stars in the league and free agency, but very, very rarely does a team that has contractual rights to um you know a a hall of famer trade that player um and so i i was just dumbfounded i know it's been talked about for you know really since the summer that kd had requested a trade um but then all of a sudden the nets were a top three team in the east it looks like they had gotten things figured out and then lo and behold two weeks later kyrie's gone durant's gone the nets are looking for a pseudo rebuild at this point yeah the the timing of it was crazy because like yeah i think it's important to note like this nets team was looking really really good like and and i think we'll get to the Kyrie. i know we'll get to the Kyrie. we can honestly do that trade next but i think from what it seems like is Kyrie. right this is the last year in his deal i think the way that they had been playing basketball it, it to me it i kind of liken it to like he loved the teammates there. He loved the actual team, but it didn't seem like he felt very supported by the front office. Um, and I'm not even saying 
that the front office was wrong for, you know, however they wanted to treat him or however they wanted to lay down the line. I'm not in there for the, the you know, the discussions that they have. And, and Kyrie, you know, he, I can totally see why he would rub front offices or, or people the wrong way. But it seemed like that was kind of the breaking point. He didn't feel comfortable with his bosses. And so as a result, he's like, despite loving kind of my, my teammates, I got to move on from this situation. And then once that happens, it's like, okay, that's, he's gone. That changes everything. KD is the next domino to fall. And then the Suns, you know, kind of walk into this opportunity here. Um, did you, let, let's start with the Sun side. Um, and I can kind of, I guess, guess from what how you talked about it. Uh, are you pulling the trigger? Because this is a, Let's just start with the, the packages. I've heard some people, <clears throat> namely Chuck, say they didn't like it. Um, and I get it, right? You're dealing, a, like you said, a Hall of Famer. Um, I, I think the package is, is a very good package. Um, are you are you pulling the trade if you're the Suns? Uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and I think it was almost like a grim reality you know, the last couple of months for the Suns, right, as they were going through their tailspin down the standings of the Western Conference, where 18 months prior, they were at the precipice of winning an NBA Finals, and then literally all of a sudden, Chris Paul looks looks washed, Aiden wants out, Booker gets hurt, and then it's like, all right, is this season just a wash at this point? Um and then the guys are getting healthy. And then lo and behold, this opportunity presents itself to get a top 15 player of all time still in his prime yeah. um, that wants to be in Phoenix, that is outwardly spoken about really loving Devin Booker's game and wanting to play in Phoenix. Um, I think part of it is almost this new owner syndrome sort of thing where the new owner comes in, officially yeah. gets signed on early in the week, and he wants to make his big splash. Um, so I'm sure that he he came in there and, and told James Jones, like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, we have Kevin Durant yeah, like w- in our fingertips. Um, let's pull the trigger and see what happens. So I love the move. It's ballsy. I think in the moment, the, the package kind of gets lost in like, oh, they just got McCall Bridges and Cam Johnson for someone of KD's caliber. What we just witnessed with the Brooklyn Nets and the Houston Rockets trade from a couple of years back, those picks a couple of years from now can look great. Really? Um, so we'll yeah. obviously have to wait and see what the what those picks end up looking like in future years. But I think this is a really strong package, uh, and the Nets yeah. needed to to make this move. Uh, perfectly well said, bro. I, I'm with you, and I love it. I honestly love it from both sides. Um, I think anytime you get an opportunity to bring in Ke- Kevin Durant, you do it. You do it unless you're giving like a blue chip prospect away, which I don't think. Even then, though. Well, I'm talking like a. I'm talking like a. Let me let me find someone. Obviously, I'm not talking Luca or Giannis. I'm talking like a. Cade. I mean, a perfect example would would be like Scotty Barnes. I'm giving Scotty Barnes, bro. I'm giving Scotty. I'm giving Franz. I guess. Yeah, there's a distinction to be made. Like, I'm not. But giving... that's what I'm saying. Yeah, is like the the Raptors mm. chose, and again, we're we're just reading the the reports. We have no right. idea if there was ever an actual offer, but the Raptors seemingly had that opportunity last off season and didn't do it. Yeah, 
I'm doing um, it. So I'm doing it. It's crazy and, to me, like and, to get someone like KD. You you got. I mean, you look at the Suns, and and I, like you said, grim reality, right? They're they're so close, and then it felt like, all right, the window's kind of closing. You know, like last year, that really not a good look losing on your home floor to the Dallas Mavericks, who were a worse basketball team than them, honestly. Um, and then this year, you know, the the injuries happened. So it just felt like if the Suns were going to win a title without, you know, with the team that they had, things would have to go perfectly. Things would have to go absolutely perfectly. And things weren't changing. Like for as good as McCall is, for as high, I'm on high on Cam and McCall that was not going to be good enough because Chris Paul is on his way out. And so I think some, I've heard some people say like, Oh, they don't, you know, they don't have wing defenders or whatever. Maybe you figure that out down the line, you get Kevin Durant, you get Devin Booker and uh, you're going to be just fine. You're going to be just, well, it's, it's interesting to think about like, would Phoenix have pulled the trigger on this type of deal? If there was more separation at the top in the West, Uh, Like Denver's been really good this year, but clearly people aren't looking at them. It's like an automatic, you know, title favorite. And so like clearly Phoenix feels like, Hey, this is right there for the taking. I don't care what our seat is right now. If we have a healthy Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Aiden, we can hang with anyone. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But well, well, I was just going to say the, on the flip side, for the Nets, sure, in the moment, like this week, I'm sure has been brutal for Brooklyn Nets fans, for Sean Marks, for for Joe Psy. Just really, really awful since the trade request from Kyrie came out, you know, last Friday or whenever it was. But um, if we're going to take a step back and look at big picture, what this package is, could potentially be with these picks, like we talk, like we spoke about, Chris Paul is aging. Like he is on his way out. Kevin Durant, for as good as he has been, has dealt with injuries the last couple of years, and he's 34. DeAndre Ayton very publicly did not want to come back to Phoenix this offseason. So there is a reality, if Phoenix doesn't end up winning this year, that this entire thing does flame out in a couple of years, and those picks could be amazing. Um, So I like the return. For sure. And that's what we're talking about it. I feel like there's in our culture, bro, there's just such a rush to label one side a winner and one side a loser. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's definitely scenarios in which both teams can benefit just based off of being in two different situations and two different timelines. So I think both teams made out really well. I I think I'm really high on McCall Bridges. Obviously, he's not going to be a number one scorer. And again, I think we get caught up in that, too. But I think you look at every single, you know, championship caliber team over the years, they have a stud wing defender who can be assigned to whoever is the primary ball handler and make their life difficult. I've seen McCall Bridges make life difficult for Steph Curry. I've made, I've seen him make life difficult for a lot of different guys. And then on the other side of the ball, you know, if he's wide open for three, it's probably going down. If he's covered, he's making the right pass. And I think Cam Johnson's the top 10 shooter in this league. So I, I think the Nets obviously, you know, a ways away from being like competitive, competitive, but there's a lot of really fun pieces there. You get four unprotected first for a team. Like you said, for as good as the talent is, there's still ways for this to fall apart down the line. You have Nick Claxton. You, I, I was honestly surpri- a little tiny bit surprised that they didn't shop, you know, one of Royce or Dorian or... Well, I, <clears throat> I am probably 
I think I'm of the belief that as of like 48 hours ago, I don't think they expected to trade Durant. Right. And so if they knew that at the time, like, okay, KD's just coming back and this is what the team's going to be. It probably takes a long time to like sift through what those offers are and deal with your analytics team and player management team and figure out like what's the best move for us. So for sure, that like th- these players are still all the wings that they have: Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, Yuta, Joe Harris, Ben Simmons. Yeah, th- these players are all yeah. still going to have value over the summer. They're all on good contracts for the most part. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I watched the Nets play tonight. Granted, it's against this lifeless Bulls team, but <laughs> good vibes. The Nets fun. They're, yeah. they're fun, dude. I, I still expect them to make the playoffs. Playoffs for uh, sure. A bunch of good good players on that team. So, for sure. And then you can kind of reassess, take offers for these guys and, and, and figure out what move makes the most sense. But I, really satisfying to see, a, in my eyes, a, a trade like this where one, one team's on a different timeline. It's definitely going to help them. And then another team... You know, if you're a Nets fan, I know it's devastating, but the future's bright in my eyes. The, the future is definitely still bright. You got some things to figure out, but you've got a lot of really good pieces. Um, all those guys seem like really good culture guys. And uh, like you said, I, I fully expect them to still make the playoffs. Um, that's what if I'm, if I'm Sean Marks over the summer, I'm probably floating the idea of moving bridges to houston and getting back as many of my own, own first round picks. picks as possible yeah because um, if you're able situation. to situation if you're able to do that then you can basically do a tear down like the jazz or the thunder did where you get your picks back and then you move royce o'neill for a first you move cam johnson mm-hmm. for you know two first potentially right um but i think trying to get those picks picks back is of the utmost importance over the summer for sure and, and, I, and mean, I think i think houston's probably in a point if they land gonna... draft picks to to make a move like that and i think the other thing that helps them too is like you look at the roster right now it's not a bottom feeder roster you no. know what i mean like it's like okay you could keep the pick but it's like we're probably if you keep the pick we have no incentive to tank we're gonna be a you know, at least a, a an eight seven seed with the roster that we have. So, you know, get a premier defender, three and D guy. Give us some of these picks back. You're right, bro. I, I'm definitely floating that out. And, and this is a, a side topic, but Houston now that they cleared out Eric Gordon and and Bruno and Garrison Matthews, they have something like fifty million, I think, in, in future cap space. Um, so yeah. they could whoever they pick plus some free agent right. signings and then they go get McHale. I mean, that's an interesting team. And, and he fits everywhere. And with the way, yeah. J- I don't know. I would, at this point, I would say probably the backcourt for at least another year is KPJ and, and Jalen green. Those two don't defend. So, I mean, Mikhail's not going <laughs> to, he's not going to fix all of that, but I think that does make a lot of, of sense for both sides. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Uh, all right, bro. Let's go talk about your Lakers. Um, <clears throat> Three-team trade, a lot of moving parts. Um, Lakers get D'Angelo Russell, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley. Jazz get Russell Westbrook, who is uh, a buyout candidate, a first-round pick. Um, Wolves get Conley. Those are the main pieces. I think uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is headed to um, Minnesota, I believe. I believe Juan Toscano-Anderson's also headed there. 
Um, and then I or Nikhil's Minnesota Juan Toscano is headed to Utah and Damian Jones is headed to Utah. So um, on the surface for me, bro, I think this is another uh, another cool trade where it I would assume, you know, given Danny Ainge and the work that he's put in, I would assume if Conley by himself could have fetched a first, they would have done it. If Jared Vanderbilt could have fetched a first by himself, they would have done it. If Malik Beasley could have fetched a first by himself, they would have done it. But I don't think any of those guys by themselves are fetching you a first. So I, I like Vando, right? But he's expendable if you're getting a first-round pick. So I love getting a first-round pick, even if you have to combine those three guys. It's lightly protected. You, God knows where the Lakers will be, you know, down the line at that point. So I like it from their perspective. I love it from the Lakers' perspective because – you know, I, I still think at this point, I, I don't know how you feel. I, I know Russ is not, like, going to go help you win a championship. I, I, I feel bad for him at this point. But at the end of the day, I do think D'Angelo Russell is an upgrade, even if it's just for the shooting alone. I think Malik, you don't want to pay him big money, but I, I absolutely believe he can stretch the floor and, and be effective as a um, a shooter for you. And then I like Jared. I, you, you and I both know, man, I love Jared Vanderbilt. He's not like the... Most ideal big man. He's undersized, but boy, does he find a way to lose balls and rebounds and get deflections. So I really think, you know, I I, I know it's fun to shit on the Lakers, but I, I really do think this helps them. And I this is not a team I'm trying to play in the first round. I think for me, the only side that I didn't really understand is like I didn't fully get this for Minnesota. Um, I know Conley has the whole Gobert connection. Um, and I know D'Lo is expiring, you know, but like you're just putting more money on the books with Conley in the future. I didn't really fully understand it from their their perspective, uh, but I'd love to hear what you thought about it for for all three of these teams. Yeah, so I think from the from the Timberwolves perspective, they're just going all in on Anthony Edwards, and I think that they needed to move off D'Lo so Anthony Edwards could realize that now. Granted, D'Lo wasn't expiring, and so it would have happened beginning next season regardless, but they probably feel like, hey, we've been playing some good ball of late. Anthony Edwards has taken the next step. Like, let's move forward with him as our guy. Let's bring in a competent point guard that has postseason experience, that's comfortable with Gobert, that's not going to make mistakes, that's not going to be boneheaded and and pick up technical fouls or, or take a terrible shot in transition. And that's what D'Lo does. Conley does not do that. Um, Now, I mean, we can talk about his defense and how we've seen tons of regression there the last couple of years. But I understand it from that perspective where it's just like, let's start funneling everything through our number one draft pick that should have been an all-star this season. Um, Get him that experience in the postseason as the number one option. And then reassess next summer. See where we can go. Uh, You sold Um, me. But at the same time, Ant's still eating this year. You know, like, did, 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 I don't watch a lot of Timberwolves. Has Ant, like, truly been stunted by D'Lo in your eyes? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think stunted's the right word. I think Held maybe back? capped. It, capped. capped is, is okay. the better word. Where, where it's like, there are moments where I want to see Anthony Edwards ISO top of the key. And, you know, somewhat similar to, to Russ, where like, Russ is like, all right, it's my time. D'Lo <laughs> kind of does the same thing. Got you. Um, so I think it clears up 
that space. Uh, I also think that Conley is just a super knowledgeable, tenured NBA point guard that sure. Anthony Edwards, we think, is going to end up being, if not a primary ball handler, close to it. You probably learn a lot of stuff from a guy like Conley. Um, I am not a fan of how the Wolves have managed everything the last eight months or so, but I'm okay with this move. Okay. Um, I, I think that it makes the team better. Um, now, from the Lakers' perspective, I couldn't have asked for a better deadline, uh, to be honest. Now, granted, it's not they're not going to win a title. I, I understand that. Um, but I think going from where we were at two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, to where we are at now, with only needing to give up one of the future firsts, with I know you mentioned like there's a little protection, but say the everything flames out for the Lakers in 2027, the fact that Polinka was able to get that top four protection could end up being a big deal. I hope it doesn't come to that. Do you know what it conveys um, to? It conveys to a, a second rounder in that same draft. That's insane. I yeah. just assumed it was just the first the following year with the same protection. No, because they don't have the first the following year, I don't think. Dude, Shadow Palenka. Not even like top yeah, three. It's, top four? I, I can look up. Um, but while I look this up, I mean, the yeah. from my I mean, perspective, like Rui, going back a couple of weeks ago, Rui is a, a rotational NBA player. That's sure. something that the Lakers did not have. I mean, you, you were throwing out there Damian Jones, Juan Toscano Anderson, Max Christie, um, you know, I mean, depending on the night, when Wendy and Gabriel, Thomas Bryant can't play a lick of defense. So you start with Rui Hachimura um, for three second-round picks. And I honestly thought that set the market, right? I mean, because it, yeah. it, it's like all of a sudden Vando, who is under cheap contract next year, can't even snag a first-round pick from a team. Yeah. Um, so they they start there with Rui, who's again a formidable NBA rotation piece, and then they are able to not only get off Russ, who I think Russ has been bashed enough. He clearly just wasn't the right fit for this team, and it yep. made sense to move off of him. Yep. And to only have to give up one of those firsts while also addressing the team's two biggest needs in shooting, shooting. and rebounding, rebounding yep. is just incredible. Like yeah. it, it's, it's a really, really stand up job by Palenka. Now it does not excuse the trade that he made a couple summers ago for Russell Westbrook, but I think it's a step in the right direction. And I think it shows LeBron like, Hey, we're doing what we can um, with what we've been given right now. I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. And and I know you said, Hey, we're not going to win a championship. And I know things aren't necessarily trending that way, but again, like with how open the West is and who I know, LeBron to be and who AD is when he's engaged and the spacing that Malik can provide and the extra rebounding and Dilo like again we we just shot on Dilo and he has his concerns he's going to be a better fit on this basketball team than Russell Westbrook so I'm not ruling out the Lakers making some sort of run I know it doesn't look good now but I'm with you bro just a great job by Polinka to get one address the needs Get off of Russ's. How how much longer was Russ signed? Two more years. No, he he's a free agent in the off season. Oh, he is. Okay. Well, but regardless, I mean, D'Lo is too. D'Lo is too. But the thing is, is like Russ's salary is 
I mean, I think it's $12 million more than what Delos is. So it allows you to get a guy like Malik Beasy or a Mo Bamba where it's like, who knows if they're going to be a a fit, but we can try it because we know what we have right now isn't working. And I was able to, to confirm that if the Lakers pick to the Jazz in 2027 is not conveyed, it will convert to a 2027 second round pick. That is probably the sneakiest part of the whole deal, bro. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's a massive shift in value. And yeah. obviously, you know, the they're the the Jazz are are hoping that or banking on the the that they'll be one of the twenty six teams that does aren't in that top four. But still, that I don't think it can be overstated, you know, how important that is. Because you don't know. You just don't know that far down the line uh what the Lakers will be. So that I also just don't really understand the incentive for the Jazz to make this sort of move. Like it, I don't know. It it just, it it, explain it to me from from the Jazz perspective. Like, why are they making this decision now? uh, As opposed to like, are you saying like that you feel like, I, I to me it's it kind of goes back to what you said you know we had that discussion for so long and I think the Jazz kind of reached a point where it's like okay this was kind of fun uh but we're not winning a title we're we're probably I mean maybe we squeak into the playoffs but we have a chance to clean house with guys who are probably not going to be a part of our our, our long term core and get I, I to me. That Lakers first could be very, very valuable. Obviously, you don't know where it's going to be, but it's so far down the line. LeBron's where he's at. AD's, you know, who he is. There's still a lot of questions with that team and, and everything that's going on. So to me, it's worth a gamble giving away guys that aren't necessarily a part of the future at the potential of a, a really, could be a really nice pick down the line um, is kind of the way I look at it. And I think obviously if, if if Vando or Malik or Conley at all were were getting you first by themselves, I think that it would have happened a while ago. So I think it's clear neither of those guys alone were. And so you put them together. None of them are are part of the future. Yeah. Uh, so we got we got cut off there. But where we were at essentially was Caleb. Tell me on why this move makes sense for the Jazz. And in my eyes, you got a Jazz team that is. <clears throat> You know, not necessarily at the bottom stages of rebuilding, but they're retooling. They're not in the mix at this current time for an NBA championship. And you're giving up three guys that obviously it's going to hurt your team a lot this year, but not a part of not priorities, at least um, uh, in terms of the core moving forward. And you've got a shot at a really, really nice pick. You're taking a home run swing on a pick that could potentially be a lot of maybe it's not, but you're getting a first rounder um down the line for three guys that are you don't necessarily see as a part of your future and if i agree that you know in aggregate those three guys one first that down the line may be selling low but i i think that given where the jazz are i'm okay taking a swing at the at that i i think my i understand that process but it just goes back to my point that I made before the season started and really in the first couple of weeks of the season when the Jazz were doing well is like sacrifice getting a good pick this year 
Like they're they're too far into it to where they can truly tank now. Um, now, granted, I mean, Laurie's had a great season that we didn't anticipate having, and and Kessler's coming into his own now, so maybe they wouldn't have been able to tank regardless. But I, I feel like I don't know. I, I what's your issue with it? I I feel like they maybe could have been able to get for those players if they had done it before the season. Like I, I Vanderbilt for whatever reason, they didn't use him correctly. I felt in Utah, like I don't think they used him in the same way that uh, Minnesota used him last year, which made him turn into such a coveted trade asset. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just spinning the so, wheels here. So it, you think I get what you're saying. So you're, you're saying more so had they, properly utilized Vando and maybe even some of these other guys, the value would have been higher early on in the season or even before the season. And now you're just selling low. I think so. I think like the, the roles that they were given this year on the team forced them to almost be a sell low because they played so many guys. They had so many guys rotating in and out of that rotation in Utah. Um, to where like, that's why I think that the Lakers did such a good job because like Malik Beasley is like a 38, 39, 40% three point shooter who, you know, he's not terrible defensively. Um, and then Vando is like an incredible connector piece. He's a good passer. He's an amazing rebounder and an awesome defender. Um, yeah. th- those guys should, I understand he's not a great shooter, but those guys have value. Those guys matter in a playoff series. Um, so to have to package those guys and Conley just to get a first back, it, it feels like a, a net loss um, for the Jazz. But in reality, I mean, they wiped the Wolves on that trade over the summer for Gobert anyway. So it might yeah. just all be a moot point. Like they have enough draft picks. But yeah, um, I, I think yeah. I think part of it, too, um, and I get everything you're saying, I think part of it might be this was like an experimental year and they may have failed in terms of, you know, the utilization is specifically of, of Vando, but I think they, they kind of wanted to see with this group, what can Malik provide with this group? What can Vando provide with this group? And then kind of assess from there. And then I think they got to the point where it's like, all right, both these guys are expendable with the construction that we have. And I don't know. Vando's a very interesting guy because I, I know like us, I mean, you had him on his fantasy team. I've watched a good bit of him. We really like him. But I'm also like, I wouldn't be shocked if NBA GMs write him off as just an undersized center who just rebounds and are not willing to give a first just for him. I just feel like it's a mistake. Uh, But again, I'm happy that it happened. Like, If you look at all his advanced numbers and all his advanced defensive metrics he's not just a rebounder like he's a really really good defender that can defend multiple positions like I wouldn't be surprised if Vando's our primary defender on any on any wing that for sure um, we're, we're going to be playing moving forward like he's a really really good defender I, I I'm with you but I think in terms of the jazz construction it's it's really hard to play Vando and Walker Kessler um, yeah that's fair. And so that they're like, all right, this is a guy that, yeah, we like, but like he's expendable again. And again, I think that pick could be gold down the line. 
It could, or not, or it could be a second. But I, I really wonder if the Lakers set the market with three second round picks for Rui a couple really? of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I would not you know, because th- there were talks over the summer for any number of players that were dealt um, within the last couple of days for a first round pick, whether it's Matisse Thibel, um, Josh Hart went for a, like a, a heavily protected, protected first, first round pick. Yeah. Um, you had pl- players left and right getting traded for second round picks and second round picks. So maybe that did adjust the Vando market. But I noticed it a couple of days ago when that Portland beat writer um, that I had mentioned sent out a tweet that was like, I know that Portland has sent out an offer for Vanderbilt for like two second round picks or something like that. Right. Which to me, that, that seems like a dope way to get a player. Like how yeah. often do second round picks hit? Like I'll yeah. give you 17 second round picks if I can get a quality NBA rotation player. Um, yeah. But I, I'm with you. And I, I honestly, I see all your points. And I think there's a definite argument to this. Those three guys be, for one first being a net loss and selling low. But I also do understand it from the Jazz perspective at this point. Well, and then the, the last point on the Lakers, it just gives flexibility that they didn't have before. Right. So like if they decided to keep, keep Russ and do nothing else, Russ just expires. And then they try to sign players in the off season with that cap space. But now they have a couple of players with like team options going into next season to fill that cap space. So if this group does work, the LeBron AD and a bunch of quality depth does work and they make a run, they can bring back most of these players. I mean, the only guys yeah. that will be expiring obviously are D'Lo and then there's Lonnie Walker and then they, they hold the bird rights to, to Rui. Rui. Yeah. But I mean, Vanderbilt, Mo Bamba, Malik Beasley, obviously Christie and Reeves, they can bring these guys back. Yeah. Um, so it just gives them flexibility. And then if it doesn't work out, obviously they have a ton of cap space going into um, the summer. Great, great deadline for the Lakers, bro. Great deadline. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how things work out. Yeah, they're not. Oh, shit. I just looked up. They're down nine. It was looking good for most of the night. But yeah, yeah the reinforcements are on their way. All right, bro. Where do you want to take this next? I feel like those were the two biggest deals, um, in my eyes. You know, there's plenty of other deals. Where Where do you want to go next? Yeah, I think instead of talking about a specific player, I'm more curious to talk about the teams that didn't do something. And okay. I'm not, I'm not specific. I mean, we, eventually we can get to the Warriors or the Grizzlies um, that we felt probably should have made a move. I'm curious about the Raptors and the Chicago Bulls and the Atlanta Hawks for the most part. Like these teams are in the middle of the NBA. We don't know if they're trying to contend. Real or quick, not would, you add, would you add the Blazers to that list? And the Blazers, same okay. thing. And, and the Blazers. I just don't, I don't totally understand what the game plan was. Yeah. Like the, for, for, like what, whether it's a consolidation move for the Hawks or whether it's going all in or selling off for the Blazers, a consolidation move for the Raptors. I don't have any fucking clue what the Bulls are doing. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, bro. I think I think all of those are they're similar situations, but I think they're different. Let's start with let's start with the Raptors. Um so I, I think in terms of why things went down the way they went down, I think Masai basically said uh, the main issue with this team is we don't have a rim protector. So I want to give him a chance. 
and then he went and got a rim protector. I think it's easy for us on the outside to say an expiring uh, rim protector, an expiring rim protector. I, I'm curious, first off, and, and I, I'm glad you brought that up. I feel like in these situations, are you are you allowed to talk to the guy first to just like, obviously, they can't give you a guarantee, but just like, hey, are you open to being a part of this thing long term? Because I don't think you make that deal unless you have a pretty good feeling like, OK, Jakob's down to to be a part of this thing long term. I would, I would think there. so. I would think so through agents, they can give an idea like, Hey, right. he would be interested in coming back. But again, there's just no guarantees that that happens. Like For who sure. knows what happens the last couple of months in the season, who knows the offer sheets that, that Jakob could get. I mean, he's actually unrestricted. They're not even offer sheets. Who knows the offers that he could get as an unrestricted free agent elsewhere. Right. The team um, cashes him out. It's it's going to be hard for him to turn it. He's not going to give you a hometown discount. Um, right. So I'm with you. I think in the Raptors situation, um, I, I think, like I said, it's it's easy for us on the outside to be like, all right, you're five games under 500 or whatever it is. You have an, an underwhelming season. You're not winning a championship. What are you doing? But I think if I'm a Psy, like or a or a fan of the Toronto Raptors, I can at least get behind the idea that okay, my GM sees a hole that he feels he could fix that was glaring that he feels like. Is if solved, we can be a competitive basketball team. Um, and so I'm especially with someone the quality of Yaka Pirtle. Like, and I think it was a pretty decently protected first. If do you do you have it pulled up? Uh, I, I, I don't, but I, but I can I can find it while, while you're talking. Okay. Um, so with the with the Raptors situation, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. And again, a lot of it comes down to weighing like what the offers were for og like if someone is going to completely bag you out for og okay i think maybe that is probably the the preferred route take a bag for og reset this thing um but it's also tough when we talk about these because we don't know that what the offers are presented are and i I would guess that og gets a you know a decent haul but like in the raptor situation i do really like the core and i know they've had a bad season but they don't have a rim protector. Um, and that's for it's funny for as as much as they make a big deal of length and having tall and long guys, they don't have anyone who at the rim can consistently deter shots. And it's really hard to win basketball games consistently if you don't have that. And so for me with the Raptors, I'll sit here as a fan if I'm a fan and I can I can live with that line of thinking of we have a pretty damn talented team. We're underperforming. I have a way to solve one of our largest problems. Let's see what we can have. We're probably too removed to really, truly tank anyways. Let's fix this perceived problem, see where we're at, and then reassess in the offseason. What I don't get are teams like the Bulls, where you're middling, you're in, you're, you're nowhere near good enough to win a title. You have guys like DeMar and Levine who have – legitimate flaws and Vooch, even Vooch who have legitimate flaws, but should have a market should have a market. And I think it's just pride on the, on the GM side. And I know it's probably the same thing with Masai, but to me, I have a bigger issue with what, what the bulls did than what say the Raptors did. Um, or even like the Blazers, because at least Josh Hart, it's like he was expiring. They probably had a good idea. He wasn't coming back anyways. 
get what you can take a swing on cam and and get a, a heavily protected for get matisse i'm not mad at that to me the what the bulls did didn't make sense and what it sounds like is they're all in they tried to find a package that would help them win and they couldn't find anything but to me it's a waste especially given i don't know exactly what the offers could be but but Zach and DeMar can, or Vooch, all three of those guys can get you something. And you can kind of take another uh, take another stab at it is where I'm at. And I, I'm sorry, I forget. There's probably one other team. The Hawks. The Hawks. Hawks are an interesting case, bro. I, I don't know. It, it's super weird because they continue every – it's the new Miles Turner with John Collins where it's like, Every day, it's like, all right, the Hawks are open to fielding offers for John Collins, and then he never moves. Um, to me, I, I, they're more in the Raptors camp where it's like, I feel like they've just underperformed given their talent, but there's a lot of talent there, and you can find something that kind of helps click. Um, and, and, I mean, they at least went and got Sadiq, which I don't think makes a ton of sense given who they have already. Um, but five, five seconds for Sadiq, I'll do that. So I, I, for me, it's the Bulls that just, I don't get, I don't get. Make a call one way or the other. The Raptors, I don't necessarily agree, but I can at least respect the decision. Blazers, same idea. Hawks, same idea. What about you, bro? Yeah, so I guess we'll start with the Raptors. So my issue with the Raptors is that they have two starters that have player options in the offseason that have both publicly said that they're going to entertain their options as free agents. Fred and um, who? They're gonna, and Gary Trent Jr. Both mm-hmm. have player options. Um, I would venture to guess that both of them are going to be offered contracts for more money than what their player option is. I would too. Fred's, Fred's player option is $22.8 million and oh, Gary's is 18.7. I think Gary's probably Gary, right on the cusp. Yeah. If he wants to go somewhere and wants a bigger share of the offense maybe he decides he wants to go somewhere else um but i mean especially van fleet who has very publicly declined the extension offer from the raptors i don't know how you don't see the writing on the wall and try to get value just like the bulls should have done with vucevic where vucevic has been expiring like the the spurs dealt Jakob. he's an expiring he wasn't going to resign there deal him get something back for him um, and so I think that's malpractice. I know Messiah is looked at as this God because he made the deal for Kawhi and won the title that year. Yeah. What's he looked at if Kawhi doesn't bring that championship to Toronto? Like he's a very stubborn GM that, you know, dangles his players out there um, for trade talks year after year after year and typically doesn't pull the trigger on it. Um, so I can't imagine how frustrated a guy, you know, a guy like OG would be when he sees Masai doing his post trade deadline media availability, talking about how he like trusts and he believes in his guys. If that's the case, they wouldn't be dangled in trade rumors every single season. Um, So I get what you're saying. It could just be a down year. They were the five seed last year and they ended up giving, um, they ended up giving Philly all that they could handle, honestly, in the postseason last year. Yeah. Um, but I think it's very clear that this specific group is not working. And even if they were a postseason team last year, I don't think this team 
constructed as it is was ever going to win a title. Um, and you're paying a lot of money for a team that's not going to win a title. Um, so to okay. me, I was a little bit confused by the Raptors. I, I guess uh, I didn't realize how, um, I guess how, how dire uh, Fred's situation was um, with the player option in, in the off season. Um, he, he sent out like a, like a tweet about it a couple of weeks ago where he's like, Hey, just want you guys to know. Cause there was like an athletic article written about it. Um, and he was like, I just want you guys to know, like, yes, they, like they, they did present me with an offer. I didn't think it was what I was worth. Potentially we'll come back to the table basically, but I'm going to be basically pursuing my other options in the off season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel that. And I, I think from a, long-term big picture perspective i'm with you you just get you get what you can for fred but i think these gms have a lot of pride and they They look at a season like this and they say we've underperformed given our talent i have a chance to at least give these guys a shot and then winning cures everything if we can make a run then maybe you know things are different with fred in the offseason in terms not necessarily that he'll take less money um but that he'll be more likely to come back and run it back with this group. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm with you. But again, like I said, I can, I, I'd assume that is Masai's line of thinking is, yeah, I can address this whole. Um, and then Chicago. And, and just a quick aside about OG and just trade expectations or trade valuations at this point in general. Yeah. Like the fact that we're seeing like, three potentially four first round picks being offered for guys like Mikhail Bridges and OG. They're really good players. Neither one of them has ever been an all-star and there's not a clear path for either, either one of them to ever be an all-star. And yeah. so to me, it's just like, this didn't used to happen where guys that were non all-stars got dealt for multiple, multiple first round picks. I'm with you. Was, I don't, I don't think you, point. I, I agree. I, when I see those, that's why I was surprised that he wasn't dope because once I saw these, oh, three, four first round picks for these guys, it's like, to me, that's a no brainer. I will say if you're not an all-star guys like OG and McCall are the guys I would cash out for. But at the same time, I'm with you. Three, four yeah. seems like over overkill. Yeah. Um, and then with the Bulls, the Bulls are like what the Pistons were. You know yeah. what? When we first had the yeah. just the, the, the purgatory, yeah. they're, they're just in purgatory. Um, they maxed out Levine over the summer, um, and clearly the Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic threesome does not work. Um, the eye test, the advanced metrics bears that out. Um, Levine has knee problems, so I don't know how what they're anticipating getting back if they ever were to look to move Levine. Vucevic is expiring. Now, it was interesting. Vucevic came out and said uh, yesterday afternoon, actually, that he hoped that he wasn't traded. He said he wanted to try to get it figured out with the Bulls this season. So I don't know if that means that he's going to re-sign in Chicago in the offseason. Yeah. I wonder um, what his market looks like in the offseason. I mean, he should have suitors. He'll have had, suitors, for sure. He's he, he's not Orlando Vucevic, but he's pretty close to it with the year that he's having right now. Yeah. Um. So I just would have thought that Chicago would have done something 
one way or another. Like they're on the cusp of the plan right now. Are you going to go all in or are you going to just sell off? And they didn't do anything. And it was really disappointing to see. Um, Because I I think selling off would have been the better path for them. Even if they get, you know, a, a couple, a couple rotational pieces, if they try to find a point guard in the market, like, I, well, I saw that they were rumored for like Van Fleet or something like that. Like that team's still not winning a title. Yeah. Um, so I would have ex- expected them to try to see what the market was for a guy like Caruso, see what the market was for DeRozan. And I'm sure they did. Uh, I'm just surprised that they didn't pull the trigger on any moves. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think, I think we're at the point where you have to, I, I know the Lonzo thing makes it tough. I still don't think he solves all the problems, but it may look a little bit better, but yeah, I think you got to make a decision one way or the other. And I know it's really hard as a GM when you've invested, you know, so much in a couple of star players and it hasn't necessarily worked out and you want to keep giving it a, a look, but I would hope, I would hope that that front office really did their due diligence um, on Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan and Vooch. And I, I would hope that's the case and that there's still, you know, it's more like, a, okay, we'll just do it in the offseason th- thing. But I like I feel like now is kind of – I'm curious because it's not like in fantasy where you just plug guys in and they're just who they are production-wise. Like it is a little bit harder to integrate guys. But I wonder now, like wh- do you think now is kind of the time where you get most for players or would you say the offseason? Or does it just vary? Probably just varies. I think it probably just varies. But yeah. I, I'm just looking at this this – future cap sheet for the bulls and i can tell you i would not want to be paying a volume score like zach levine 48 million dollars a year when he's 32 like it like the i don't want to be parallels now parallels to bradley beal is just uncanny like how this whole thing is unfolding for the bulls yeah um they just won't give up the hope that this group is going to work, that this player is going to work as their star. Yeah. Um, and it's going to set them back. And, you know, it is what it is. Maybe they look to move to Rosen over the summer. Maybe yeah. they look to sign and trade Vucevic in the summer, but. Yeah. The, the win- And that's the thing too, with these guys is like, the window was very much close. Like with Fred, it's at least like, okay, he's still late twenties, you know, and Levine sure is late twenties, but he's got knee, knee, knee issues. DeMar's 34. Right, thirty three. Vucevic is thirty. They have like two years left. Yeah, like the the window is is much smaller with the Bulls. So yeah, I'm with you. I don't really know what, what they're doing. I'd assume again, it's just pride from from the front office. But you gotta let go of it. You gotta let. Go and I I do think it's it's important to note that clearly this was a different team with Lonzo. Yeah, Lonzo, Ball. yeah. Like, this was a good competitive team. I still don't know if it was a title team, but this is a competitive team with Lonzo. I know it's um, not a title team even with Lonzo, personally. And, you know, and, and then you have the draft picks that just haven't panned out to where they would have liked, right? With Kobe White, with Patrick Williams. I mean, they're fine NBA players, but they're not what I think they would have hoped for them to be. For sure. And I think also... I mean, it's different with each guy, but I th- I think, you know, Kobe. Obviously, stats look different, but I think Kobe and Patrick, you know, in a in a, an environment where their development is prioritized, they they may look a little bit different, um, yeah. as opposed to an environment where Demar, Zach, 
and Vooch are taking, you know, 70% of the shots there. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then what other team? The other team was, was the Blazers. Um, I <sighs> tough. I just don't know, man. I, I don't really know what they do because even if Dame, they're not going to trade Dame unless Dame wants to be traded. And clearly he has not said that he wants to be traded, but even if he did, I don't even know how they match the salary with any team that he'd want to go to. Um, I, I think it would be really challenging. I mean, his, his extension is like 45, 48, $50 million a year. Um, and a lot of teams honestly have point guards. Like they have primary no, that's, ball handlers That's the already. toughest part. Exactly. Uh, maybe maybe a team like, I don't know, like the, the Clippers potentially or, or the Knicks potentially, but – it just, they're I don't know. Stuck. It, the Blazers yeah. are stuck because they're not going to deal Dame, and I don't blame them. And so they're all, they're like kind of forced into this all in mindset, and they don't have enough around them, and they don't really have the assets to put someone. Sorry, bro. I paused it because of that. Say that again. Say that again. Um, Just reading. Tea leaves. I know anyone that listens to this is going to be like, you have your fucking Laker goggles on, but with the cap space that the Lakers are going to have in the off season, I wonder if there's a move that they could make for, for Dame in the off season. Um, they're going to have access to future to another first round draft pick once the off season comes. So they can now have two unprotected picks um, along with whatever depth pieces they have. If Portland was interested in it. I just don't know if they have I don't that. see it T. I don't Blue see chipper. it. Yeah. The, the, the two picks are a great, a great start. I just think you need more. And I don't know. I don't think anyone on that team is, is meeting the threshold. Like just to, I'd assume Dame's trade values are like a, a little bit less than, than KD. But if you're just taking that package as a reference, I think it'd be tough. I think I just don't, unless it's like, all right, every single pick, Till twenty thirty two, or, or if they if they found a way to make it like a three team or somehow, I don't know. Yeah. I I'm just thinking like at some point, I clearly the Blazers are just going to play this out. I'm assuming they're going to try to get a buyout center on, on the buyout market. Um, and honestly, I don't think that the team necessarily got a whole lot worse at the deadline. No, I was going to say their like, deadline I, wasn't like bad. I just think they're they're just stuck in this position. Right. There's just not a lot that they can do. And like the the timeline with Jayden, who clearly they're prioritizing Shaden right now. Like they want to get him as many reps as possible. Oh, I forgot about Shay. I mean, Shay, a couple first, a depth piece, maybe. For, for what? I'm an idiot, bro. <laughs> the, the the one that that i kept <laughs> seeing was like it was a package for like whether it was kd or whether it was a guy you know a lesser tiered star like a siakam where it would be anfreddy simons and Shaden sharp for one of those guys and then spend future first to round out the depth but clearly they don't want to do that they think that sharp is going to be really good uh, in the next couple of years but it just it's dumbfounding how Dame can be having this type of year where like 
at this point, if they were running all NBA, he would definitely be an all NBA guard. Um, no doubt. You know, com- com- coming off an injury, looking healthy and sharp as ever. And He's washed, bro. This team is just destined to be a playing team that might not even make the actual playoffs and it's just sad to watch and they are stuck i think that they did everything they could do at the deadline yeah um without giving up sharp yeah you basically you deal heart for cam a first protected first you basically get off gp's contract take bag some seconds and and take tease who i i still think is he can play a role in the right on the right Definitely. team, um, given how elite, truly elite he is on the defensive side of the ball. So yeah, I'm with you. But it, like you said, to have Dame have this sort of season and for them to still be where they are, I think it just goes to show, like, like for how good Anthony and Dame are offensively, like you just need a different construct. Like if if Dame and Anthony are on your team, you need three and D guys. Well, it's just funny that they're that they're doing this basically this Gen Z version of Dame and CJ with Dame and Simons. (laughs) Where it's like they're same thing. It's the the same thing. Where like Simons and CJ were both really good scorers, but I don't think that they're good enough to be a true number two on a on an actual contender. Um and it just limits them, and and they yeah. don't want to trade Simons. I, I would um, say I, I absolutely would would be look if if you are all in on trying to make this Dame Lillard window work, you have to look and see what's out there for Simons. Yeah, dude, and I would think that Simons could get a ton of value back from for teams. Sure. Like he's had a great year, for sure. Right. So it it's just tough. Like they're, and it's so frustrating because like. I love watching their games. Every single one of their games is crazy competitive because <laughs> yeah. they're not good enough to be great and they're not bad enough to be terrible. And so yeah. every single game is a good game. Um, so like th- their record could be flipped very easily right now. Um, but I just feel for Dame. Uh, he's clearly a very prideful guy. Cares a lot for the city itself. But You, you think he's there in two years? If you had to guess, obviously there's no way to know. I mean, I, I don't think he's a dumb guy. And so I'm sure that they're having these discussions with him where it's like, hey, if it's not this season, this is what we plan to do this summer to get another guy in here for you. Um, so that that's why I brought up the Lakers or any team that has cap space, because if he goes into next season or I guess going into next summer and there's not a move made, to make them real competitors, I could see him asking for a trade at that point, which Portland absolutely would grant. Like if he yeah. said, Hey, I want it to, to go to the Lakers or I want to go to Brooklyn or wherever it is. They, I think that they would trade him where he wanted to go. I think it's going to happen at, at a certain point, bro. We just see it. We just see it with, especially with the movement, the star empowerment. I think it's going to reach that point. Um, and well, they're going to get a haul. Well, and w- what's interesting is like with, the advancements of like modern medicine, we're seeing guys like Steph and I don't think Dame is at Steph's level, but guys like Steph who were in the MVP conversation to start the season and Steph's 35. Dame's only 32. 
So like he was, Dan was clearly talked about as this washed guy coming into the season after, after the injury last year. But this Dane, like he, I would guess that he's going to be like this for at least another couple of years. Yeah, no, the, he's so far from being done. He has not shown any, any signs at all. So I, I think it's, I think it's coming, bro. I, I think if they had been more competitive this year, maybe the the leash is a little bit longer but I, I think after this year to have for dame to have the year that he's had for them to be relatively healthy for the most part i know they've dealt with some stuff you know dame's been on a couple games and for them to be where they are um i think it's going to happen at a certain point i don't know when but it's coming i i can tell you that i i'm interested to see what they do with matisse because I really, really like Matisse as a player. So, do you think he starts, or do you think uh, Nasir starts? I really think that Chauncey did not like playing Nasir. Like, Nasir is so, so bad. Defend- I mean, Chauncey outright said it after the last game when Nas Little had, like, eight points in 12 minutes. And, like he was, It looked like he was playing well, and the reporters asked him why they yanked him. And he was like, he gives up too much defensively. Um, and so I don't know what the starting lineup's going to look like, but I think Matisse is going to play heavy, heavy minutes. Yeah. Um, and, and that's exactly the guy you need when you have Anthony Simons and Dame. So I actually really like that pickup. And, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's not like I love Josh Hart, right? But like he's not giving you very much offensively, anyways. And Matisse is a better defender. So I think that could be, could be huge for that. I don't think it solves all their issues. But uh, I do think that's going to be a helpful move for them moving forward. Who do you think could be a, a buyout guy for them? I know we're spending way too much time on this deadline podcast talking about the Blazers. But... No, we're, we're good, bro. It goes where it goes, bro. Um, dude, I don't – the only guys that come to mind in terms of just, like, guys I know that are going to be available in the buyout market are Russ, which obviously big pass. John Wall, big pass. Um, who are some of the guys available? I'm trying to think. I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> I I really don't have any idea. But but they they need more size. Will Barton like anytime? <laughs> Will Barton reunion? They, they need more size. Anytime Nurkic is on the or off the court, they look like a fucking JV team. Like they look so so yeah. small. No, they're tiny, bro. That's probably part of the reason they moved Doc Gary Payton to get a guy like Matisse, who's just bigger, you know? Like, when they were playing the Bucks the other night, they were running the lineup of, like, Anthony, Gary Payton, Shaden, and Jeremy Grant. Like, yeah. everyone on the Bucks besides Drew Holiday, were taller than the rest of the Blazers. Yeah. So Maybe uh, Nerlens. I mean, he's tall. He's not really big. Uh, I'm I'm gonna pass on Serge Ibaka. Maybe Rashawn Holmes. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he. I think Rashawn would be cool. I wonder. It's kind of weird. I, I haven't actually watched a ton of Cavs, but it. Uh, Deadman. Yeah, Deadman. I mean, I wonder if K Love. Like, I I don't think it's at the point where they'd buy Dude. him out, but like he's not playing, and that would be a match made in heaven, just in terms of coming back home to or- Oregon. I actually I actually did see that. I, I Caleb definitely 
definitely feels like a buyout guy. Like he's yeah. completely out of the rotation at this point in Cleveland. Yeah. I that would be, be interesting. Dope. I think that'd be cool. Doesn't necessarily Doesn't help, help their, their defense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I think that'd be I, I if I'm Joe Cronin, I'm I'm with that. Um yeah. all right, bro. Let's take a quick break and then we'll we'll uh finish this up. Seems scary. All right. We're back. And it's a little tricky, bro, because like we're not gonna sit here and break down, you know, Kessler Edwards trades <laughs> for I mean we could, but um so let's let's go through the the rest of the trades that are like okay, they're actually like pretty large. Um and then we can just kind of hand pick like little things that we want to talk about. So for me, I think the obvious other large trade that we haven't talked about yet is the Kyrie deal. And it, it obviously it broke a lot earlier. Um, what are your thoughts on that, T? Because I know you're not the biggest Mavs guy, um, and there's still some concerns there uh, with, you know, even just the basketball fit with the Mavs, but off the court stuff with Kyrie Irving. Um, are you taking that risk if you're the Mavs? Well, how do you feel about that one? Yeah, I, I definitely think I'm taking the risk if I'm the Mavericks just because I there, there wasn't a lot different from – last year's Mavericks team to this year's Mavericks team in my eyes. Like I think that their ceiling is probably capped um, without a second star next to Luca. Um, I think that Christian Wood has had a good year, but their defense has progressed a lot um, leading up to this Kyrie trade. Then they traded their best defender for someone that is not a good defender. So they're going to have to go all in on scoring 130 points a game now. Yep. Um, <laughs> But I think it's a, a risk worth taking because um, Kyrie does have championship experience that no one else on that Mavericks team has. Yeah. Um, and he say what you want about Kyrie Irving, but he is one of the most talented and gifted players that we've ever seen. Um, and so if Luke is able to take a little bit of the load off and, and give it off to Kyrie, uh, maybe Josh Green, it opens up minutes for him and he can take a stride. Um, I think it could definitely work out. Uh, they're going to have to outscore people. They probably need to get someone that can defend wings in the buyout market. I'm just surprised there were no follow-up moves. Uh, I would have thought that there would have been, uh, you know, a secondary and a tertiary plan lined up after they got Kyrie. Like, all right, we figured right. out the offense. Now let's let's go. Now let's some. fill fill the void of DFS, and they just Dude, didn't do it. I I know this is kind of out of left field, but. Um, Jalen McDaniels went for nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he went for like Svee in a second. It was like in this weird three-team deal. I think he would have been a wonderful, wonderful target for the Mavs. Um, and, and, and same with same with Matisse. Matisse, Matisse, yeah. Um, so I don't know like that why they dropped the ball there. Um, but the the. the so to your point in terms of secondary and tertiary moves, those two guys went for pennies, and I, I assume they have seconds available. Don't know why they didn't do that. But in terms of going for it, I, I absolutely agree. And that that's the team. Them and the Lakers are the team that I felt like just made the most sense because you're just kind of like the Blazers. Um, they're like a they're just kind of stuck, but they're stuck at I in my eyes, a higher point than where the Blazers mm -hmm. are. Um, and so Kyrie you, you get a chance at a, a talent like Kyrie just because of his lack of a relationship with his front office. I think you got to take it. And I, I absolutely um, 
think there's a path. They got to figure out the defense. And and again, should have went after the both of those guys. But I absolutely think there's a path with how wide open the West is uh, for them to at least be in the mix for how with how good offense. Like it is going to be so, so hard to game plan for both those guys. And you can't really take both those guys away. On top of that, I love uh, what I've seen from Josh Green this year. I think it opens up a nice little pathway to minutes and opportunity for him. Uh, you at least have a guy like Reggie Bullock who, you know, isn't the sexiest piece, but at least understands, you know, what his role is and what he has to do to make the team be successful. Um, and so, I, yeah, no brainer for me. I think I think they honestly got really, really lucky um, that this was even available because uh, things were not looking too good um in dallas this year and that to me they were headed towards you know being stuck um so i think i think they lucked out and i think are they the title favorite no but i I think that was uh definitely something i would have pulled and um i think mass fans should be really really stoked yeah and they could extend him like if all goes well he might decide to stay there so and and like exactly and i think with Kyrie too because he's burned so many bridges because he has, you know, all these questions around him, you get this trial run where if, if things look good and things go well, it's going to be very hard. I I feel like for him not to come back to to Dallas with having this trial run um, for the post, the all-star break. Sorry. I know I cut you off, bro. What what were you saying? No, I'm all good. And and I know we already kind of talked about, the net situation and, and everything right. going on there. Um, so I, I like it. I think it's a, a risky move for Dallas, but I think it was a necessary move. For sure. Um, all right, let's get to some smaller deals um, that we like. Let's, let's just talk about the Warriors one, bro. Uh, three team trade. Uh, I was, a I was, a, it was a whirlwind of emotions because uh, it said Wiseman got traded for Sadiq Bay and I was down. And then next thing you know, he was, we were getting five second round picks um, instead, which hurt again. Uh, for those that don't know, it was a it was essentially just cap maneuvering deal. They saved I don't have the exact numbers, but they saved a bunch of money, uh, luxury tax money this year and even more so next year. And then we ended up getting GP two with it too. So to, for us, it was essentially Wiseman for GP uh, Hawks. It was a if you told me Sadiq Bay was going to get traded for five first, I'd be like, oh, hey, that's a great get for, you know, whoever it is is taking that swing. Um, I would never have guessed it would have been the Hawks, though. Like, they, their analytics department, their scouting department must love Sadiq Bay because they, that would not have been in the first 15, 20 teams I would have listed making that deal. Um, and I know I'm all over the place, but I'm going to focus on the Warriors aspect of it. James Wiseman, I still believe in him long term. Um, I just think he has too much talent to not eventually be able to be a productive basketball player. If he's not able to put together his talent to at least be a a somewhat productive basketball player, um, then his mind is just not right. Like, I I just don't think uh, Golden State was going to be the place for him. There's so much pressure. We ask our bigs to do so many things on both ends of the ball. And James Wiseman is just not there yet. He needs a place where he can fail over and over again, where he can learn, where he can actually play and grow. And he that, that's just not going to be Golden State for as long as Steph, Dre, Clay, Wiggs, whatever, whoever it may be, are here. So I wouldn't – I don't think it's he's going to just break out for 20 and 10 next year. 
But James Wiseman, I think, is going to eventually succeed in in Detroit. And I'm not really all that bummed about it because I don't think it was ever happening here. And I love GP2. I know Blazers fans probably hate him, but I love GP2. <laughs> and I think we're going to lean into the small ball. Um, <clears throat> but I like it. I get it for us. We save some money. And I'm, I'm honestly happy for James because he seems like a really great kid. It just this situation was going to be tough for him to ever be the best version of James here. So I know that's a million different things, bro, but I'm, I'm happy for James Wiseman, honestly. Um, and I'm happy for us. Like, I, I'm, I'm glad we've, we freed him. <clears throat> we freed him. And I'm surprised yeah, I, Atlanta got Sadiq. Yeah. I guess I'll start with the, the Pistons. What are the Pistons doing? Like, in, so in Troy Weaver's is, always been really high on on Wiseman. Okay, I we're in an NBA that is moving away from centers towards an NBA that is predominantly wings, switchable wings, wings that can shoot or centers that can shoot. They now have three, uh, four, I guess, with Nerlens, um, and three. one of them. Okay, so three in one of them in Isaiah Stewart can kind of shoot. Yeah. Like, I think Wiseman can. I, honestly, I think Wiseman will eventually be able to stretch the floor. Like, he, during it's like not even a part of the quest. Like, it's like, all right, I think Wiseman can eventually bring that. Dude, I want to see Wiseman play a month of NBA games before I can say that, you know, he can eventually stretch the floor. Like, the dude hasn't even been able to be on the court. Um, for various reasons, but I just don't understand. Like Sadiq Bay, you know, I don't think he's like an all-star. He's not like an OG or or a McCall type wing, but he's a good player. I I don't understand moving off of him to get a guy like Wiseman. I, I mean, I guess the reason is that he was number one on Troy Troy, Troy Weaver's draft board, but yeah, it just That's seems like and, and it I just I, seems so odd. I think Detroit. What I've read and what I've seen is. Detroit was becoming really frustrated with Sadiq because Sadiq, he was like the opposite, right? Like he had his, his best year was his rookie year. And I think a lot in large part, that was because most of his shots were just catch and shoot jumpers. And I think I don't, I assumed it was part of Detroit's plan, but since that rookie year, he's been exploring a lot more of, you know, putting the ball on the floor, you know, mid catching mid range post uh, face ups, like doing a lot more than just catch and shoot. And he has not, It's I think it's safe to say, for the last two years, he has not had any real sort of success in that sort of role. And so I think they just got kind of tired of him trying to do more than be a catch-and-shoot guy. And again, pair that with the opportunity to get a guy that Troy Weaver has loved for a long time. Granted, they have Dern and Stu, so it and even Bagley, if you want to throw him in there. And Bagley. Yeah. That, that was the fourth guy I was thinking about, yeah, not Nerland. He actually can kind of shoot. Um, So I, I, I get it in terms of like, okay, what are we doing? We really don't have our, – our weakness at this point is wing, the wing. And we have plenty of talented young bigs. I just think they got to a point where it's like, all right, Sadiq is just who he is. He's doing too much. I love the talent in James. Like – let me bring him over and see if I can fix him. But I'm with. But you. how do you how do you even give them all minutes? Like, 
None. I don't think really. I mean, I guess Isaiah Stewart's been been playing the four, four as a yeah. starter for them, but like, I don't even know how you divvy up the minutes to really develop any of them, let alone all of them. I think Bags and Stu, you you hang you hang your hat on the idea that both of them can play the four, and then it's just like a free for all. You're rebuilding still, I guess. I mean, you went for Bojan, but and it's just like. Give these four all, all the minutes at the four and five. See who sinks, see who swims, and we don't really believe in Sadiq all that much, anyways. Is my thought process with why? I mean, I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure that is the thought process. To me, it's just baffling. I it does it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think from the Warriors' perspective, like it's a sell low. Okay, I, know, my question it, with in this would be, and I I totally understand why anyone would not think much of of James at this point but given how crowded the situation is how like is there a certain point in terms of like talent level or you know how promising a prospect is where you're still willing to take a guy on like that even if you're have a super crowded situation or is it the combination of the crowded situation and a lack of perceived, you know, belief in, in who Wiseman can be. You know what I mean? Like, is it more like how crowded the situation is or is it more how bad Wiseman's been? I think it's a mixture of both. Um, I mean, it, it's the same situation as every top pick that ends up being a bust. Like, they they have talent, but for whatever reason, it didn't translate to on-court success. Um now, granted, Wiseman's situation has been unique, right? I mean, like he played a bit at Memphis and then got hurt and didn't play, and then he got hurt again, and then he's been up and down between the G League and and uh, and the Warriors. But I, I just, I just don't understand it. Like it to me, it's just confusing. I, I would understand a team taking a risk on it. I wouldn't understand Pistons. the Pistons who just used to get Durin this last draft endurance looked good yeah, and like you great. hit you know you hit on Isaiah Stewart I don't know if Isaiah Stewart is like your starting four uh, of your next playoff team but at the very yeah. worst he's a really good rotational big um and then you know you did the same thing last offseason with Marvin Bagley or sorry last season with yeah. Marvin Bagley so it's just like I don't know. I, I guess he's just taking a chance on talent and feels like maybe Wiseman can be that guy. But to me, it's confusing. And then from the Warriors perspective, like it's I mean, it's a massive, massive. It's there, there's no way to, to sugarcoat it like it was a massive miss. And it's a testament to the organization that they were still able to win a title. Yeah. You know, with with that massive swing and a miss. Um, but they had to do it. They had to move on from him. I'm I'm just glad, bro, because I mean we talk about ownership, like you know ownership, front office, you know pride get kind of getting in the way of of moves at times. I mean I think there's a lot of front offices that would not be willing to admit, you know, two years removed from taking Wiseman when Lamelo's right there and just holding on to yep. that. Like I, I'm I'm glad that they were able to say, you know what, we fucked up, we can't do anything about it now. 
let's go get GP, a guy who we know fits this system and who we know will, will help us win basketball games. Right. Even if the and saves them money while doing it. Exactly. And the optics of it are terrible, right? You just drafted this guy too overall, but you swallow your pride and you just do it. So I, I give them props for being able to just admit it and, and do what, yeah. what they did. Yeah. Agreed. Definitely. Um, and, you know, they got better today. They did. I mean, like they, they brought back a guy that, that helped them win the title. Um, for a guy that hasn't helped them win anything. So they got better today. I'm with you, so bro. good on them. Good, good on the front office for swallowing their pride. I think some other teams across the association could learn a thing or two sure. um, from the Warriors front office. Um, yeah. So, so th- those are kind of my thoughts there um, on that Any Warriors trade. That caught your eye? I think, yeah, I think that the Clippers got better today. Um, they definitely did. <laughs> I I still don't think that they addressed their point guard problem, but that's you know uh, that'll be a question for you know April, yeah. May, I mean, and June. Reggie and Reggie and John were just not were just not the answer, um, and I don't think Bones. They don't have a point guard. Bones is Bones is a guard. He's not a point guard, um, and I think we know that. But EG is is a helpful veteran. Go ahead. Their their point guard situation might have gotten worse. Yeah. Like their point guard situation yeah. might have gotten worse, even though as a team I felt they got better today. Yeah. Um they desperately, desperately needed a second big. A second big. Like they were legit running Covington and Batum and Moses Brown at times yeah. when Zubots wasn't playing. Like Zubots has one. played the Zubats has played the most minutes on the Clippers by far this season. And you can tell in recent weeks, he's kind of run down a little bit. He's not yeah. having the same level of impact that he had to start the year. Um, and so to get Plumley for a bag of beans, like that's, that's a huge, huge win for the Clippers. Today. I was surprised. Well, why did the, did the Hornets have no one offered nothing for Mason Plumley? I mean, dude, it's, you know, uh, he's an expiring contract in real life and fantasy is much different than reality. Like Plumlee was the starting center for a terrible, terrible team. Um, and, you know, I, I think it was probably fun for him. He got to toy with his offensive bag a little bit in Charlotte, but yeah. I think he's, you know, he's a backup big in the league on, sure. on a competing team, at least. I, I just assumed uh, they wouldn't have to settle for Reggie Jackson. Um, but like, I mean, yeah, I, I think Charlotte has had a shit ton of mismanagement in yeah. recent years, like going back to the Jalen Duran trade with Detroit over the summer. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, to get nothing back. But I mean, look, look at the market for a guy like Jakob Pertl. Like the Spurs got right. back like a heavily protected 2024 first. Pertl is way better than Plumlee is. And yeah. They're both expiring. So yeah. I I don't think it's totally shocking that there might have not been a huge market. I would have liked Denver to go get him. Um, oh, and they did. And a great fit. Did they? Because they really could. Like, I, I, like, I like Zeke to an extent. But DeAndre Jordan, Zeke behind Yoke is not enough. Um, did they find – they didn't find any – did they make a move? Uh, yeah, they got Thomas Bryant. Oh, there it is. There it is. Which, which, yeah. Brian is way better than whatever they have today. Their yeah. bench was outscored fifty-six to ten against Orlando today. Yep. fifty-six to ten. Um, so I don't know. I really don't think that Denver needed to do too much. 
Um, uh, they're loaded. They're they're loaded. Um, still think they're a potential buyout market team. Like, I would be funny if Will Barton went back to Denver. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think that the Clippers got better today. They got Eric Gordon, little homecoming action for Eric Gordon. I think he can help yep. a, a winning team in the playoffs. Yep. Um, and then and then Bones. Somebody said it in our chat today. I don't even know how much Bones is going to play in the postseason because he is so. I, I don't know if people have watched a lot of Denver this Deluded. season. Like he is maddening, maddening to watch at times. Um, yeah. Just does not give a lick defensively, gets back cutted all the time, dude. Just doesn't understand coverages or doesn't care to understand coverages. Um, and he's very just ISO. Like he's ISO. He, yeah. he doesn't pass very well. Every like time there. he touches the ball, he is looking to get his shot. Yeah, very Cam Thomas-esque. Yeah, which, again, people go going crazy for Cam Thomas, and I get it. He's a bucket. What he's done has been incredible. But, again, people have to understand there's so much more to basketball than just going and scoring isolation buckets. Like, you, you, you have to do so much more to help your team than just that. Um, so, yeah, I'm with yeah. you. But, but I mean, by like, I get it. From I mean, the, 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 price they, the, the price they yeah. paid for it was nothing. If you can – you know, help him figure it out. Bones with a Bones Highland skill set with a high basketball IQ is a good player. It's just to me, it's the situation with Bones is concerning because he was on the best or the second best team in the league record wise all season running the bench unit and he wasn't happy. So, like, what is I going to get on the Clippers that's going to make him happy? He's going to get less usage, less touches, less playing time. Is he going to be happy? I don't know. Yeah. No, I know. He just doesn't get it. And hopefully he does. But yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you, bro. Uh, I, liked, I like the canard get for for the Grizzlies. Um. Again, I think they could have done a lot. I, I wonder what the talks would have been like for them and OG because I think you, you replaced Dylan with OG, um, and that team's a lot better. Um, I wonder just in general. Like again, it seems like Masai really just wants to give this team a look. Um, but I wonder like what the best package offered was for OG. But I do think you know Canard's a decent consolation prize. And and you look around the Grizzlies, I feel like people think. They've got a lot of shooters, but they really, outside of Bain, they don't, they don't. really have any shooters. Um, and so I think Kennard's honestly a really, a really good get for them. Um, and you have Jaron Jackson back there, you know, to to protect the the paint. And the Clippers have had a good defense in the past with him on the floor. So um, he's limited physically, but I, I think mentally he understands what he, where he needs to be and what he needs to do. Just sometimes he's going to get beat because he's Luke Kennard. But um, I like that grab um, for sure from the Grizzlies. I like that. I know we touched on it a little bit, bro, but I, I really like the Mo Bamba grab for the Lakers. Um, just in terms of a guy who can stretch the floor. I mean, he's another guy who's just really, really frustrating to watch because he's so big and so tall, but he just gets pushed around so easily. And there's times where, like, he's in position to block the, or, or at least make the shot tough, and he just doesn't for whatever reason. But 
I mean, we're we're nitpicking here, and I think I I I'm pretty damn sure he's an upgrade over Thomas Bryant. Um, and, and he honestly can shoot the shit out of it. So I love that very very nice grab from the Lakers. Pat Bev has his value in certain spots, but he's had an awful year, and he just can't. He just can't score the ball. He's not a threat at all with the ball and so I, I i really like that get too for you guys and i know we talked about it a little bit but just another part of what was a really good deadline for you guys yeah uh sneaky move that that i was a fan of today was the the pelicans going out and grabbing josh richardson, josh richardson um yeah. you know they they get off Devonte graham and that was something that they struggle with in their backcourt they don't have a lot of size yeah um you know with Devonte and jose alvarado jose. and dj <laughs> like like yeah. Kira Lewis, they're all undersized guards. And so um, I think that Richardson, who's had a really good year in San Antonio, can come in and help the the Spurs. Like he's going to play big minutes um, for them, I would think. Um, similar to like a – I don't know to the extent of like what Torrey Craig is doing in Phoenix right mm, now, but like good, sort of. A good comparison, honestly, yeah. Yeah, I, I like the move a lot. Um, <clears throat> and it seems like they didn't really have to give up all that much. I mean – Again, just a bundle of second-round picks and Devonta Graham. So yep. I like that move for the Pelicans. I'm with you. I also really liked. Um, <laughs> we talked about the Bucks a little bit, bro. They got Jay Crowder, um, and I know people forget about him a lot, but uh, Jay Crowder is an impact role player in this league. And George Hill on his way out. Serge Ibaka on his way out. Three second-round picks, or I don't know how many they gave up, but a couple second-round picks and Jordan Wara. Uh, I absolutely think it's worth it. I think Jay Crowder is going to be playing 22 to 25 minutes a night for them in the playoffs. Um, it, I was a little bit surprised, too, like that the, there were not more teams, like even Dallas, like looking to go get. Jay yeah, Crowder I, I would have thought I, I would have thought it would have been Dallas. Yeah. Um, and he's been there in the past, but I love that pickup for an already stacked Bucks team, too. Um, yeah. Little homecoming for him, the yep. Marquette guy. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I like it. Think about that. Um, and then I know we talked about it before, bro, but I loved Philly. Philly gave up Matisse and got maybe Jalen is not the same defender that Matisse is, but he at least can shoot the ball. And then they picked up two second rounders with it, so I like that. No idea what the Hornets are doing trading Jaden or Jalen <laughs> first fee Luke and two second round picks. I feel like they kind of hit on him, like they. They developed him. Dude. Yeah. I I, I want to make a really quick point about yeah. Jalen McDaniels. Like he's he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. But okay. I keep seeing all this stuff about like him being like a shooter, like a like a great shooter. Like he started, like he had a stretch there in I think it was December. I think yeah, before the new year, where he was shooting like lights out. But he's been really bad the last two months shooting wise. Uh, which is what I think they traded him for his last, his last two months from deep. So I mean, decent number of games, 20, 25 games. He shot 25% from deep in January. And then he shot 18% from deep so far in February. Um, so I, I think that it was still a good pickup. He's had a really good season. Uh, like, I guess a breakout season as a role player. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think that people should shooter. be expecting him to be like a, a knockdown, a knockdown yeah. shooter. He should play though. Like he's going to get rotational minutes because that that bench unit I do think needs a little bit of, of athleticism. 
because now they have Melton in the starting lineup. Shake Milton is not athletic. George Niang is not athletic. <laughs> like then you have Montrez Harrell yeah. at times. So I think he's going to be a, a fun plug and play guy in the bench for. I, I like the move regardless of his uh, of his shooting. Yeah. What um, what's he shooting on the year now at this point? Like 33, 34? 32? 32. Okay. That's honestly a tick lower than I would have expected. Um, but still. Um, I liked also, I think, I think my, Michael Scott is a sneaky pickup for, for Boston too. Dude, he's been amazing recently. Yeah. yeah he, I mean, can, I, I like fit, it. Fits their system perfectly too, in terms of being able to stretch the floor. Um, he can actually shoot the living shit out of the basketball. Um, and just a really, honestly, a really smart player. Just one of the more underrated, you know, rotational bigs in the league in my eyes only had to give up Justin Jackson in, in two seconds. So, um, I like, I, I think that honestly could play pretty big dividends for for boston down the line yeah i i think it was um a pretty a pretty successful trade deadline for the rockets i i would have thought that they would have moved on from jay sean tate at this point but i guess they don't um it seemed like there were talks to move kj martin but kj martin's been great recently so it looks like they're not going to move on from him but to get uh, i think it was a pick swap for eric gordon um, but <clears throat> more importantly, to get his contract off the books for off next book. season. Yeah. Um, and then through nothing that they did, but Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are no longer on the Brooklyn yeah. Nets. And they uh, own the Brooklyn that front Nets, office is doing Nets part. future. Yeah, bro. That, they are absolutely loving uh, the way this trade, trade deadline went down. Um, yeah. And they're, they're honestly in a pretty decent spot, bro. They're going to... Have a at worst in my eyes top three pick this year. I love Alpi, Jalen and KPJ, TBD. But I mean Jalen especially is insanely talented. And then you own the you, like you said you own the whole Brooklyn Nets future. So I'm with you. And I'm, I'm I don't know why it took them this long to get off EG, but they did it. They did it. Stubborn, stubborn ownership groups. Yeah. In front offices, dude. And, and you find I mean. I don't know how much of it. I'd assume it's mostly Silas, but um, you know what's his favorite? Bruno's out of there, so now it's just you. You can run Usman and and Alpi down there, and you don't have Bruno taking up minutes. And it looks like they're they're not going to have John Wall stick around for part two. <laughs> no chance. <bro>. No <laughs> how chance. funny is that? That after that that podcast no, video but... came out, they trade for him three weeks later. <laughs> he probably woke up, looked at his phone, and is like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like, of course, dude. I wonder if he plays in the NBA again. I think. Like I, I think he's done, like, bro. I don't know what team is gonna look for. Like at yeah. least Russ has shown that he can still be an NBA player. I don't think that Wall showed yeah. that this season. The the Clippers in my eyes were kind of his last the last shot and he I don't think he did enough. I don't think he did. Yeah. For a very I mean, the, point guard needy team. You know? Yeah. A team that really need needed a point guard to buy you out or I guess trade you, but um I I just don't the, see anywhere that logically makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I think that the Reggie Jackson buyout market will be interesting. Um, I mean, he's a guy that has performed in the playoffs. Um, You know, it's kind of a love-hate relationship with with Reggie uh, at at times. But um, 
he's at worst a good bench player um and at his at at his best he can win you a game yeah when you win you a quarter that that leads to you winning a game so there's teams that can go and grab him i would be looking at like miami potentially miami yeah Yeah. like i I think that miami didn't do anything and we could talk about miami briefly i'm surprised that they didn't make a move to get a score um but maybe they just feel like they haven't been healthy all season and now they're starting to get healthier and I'm with you playing a lot better. I think they should have for sure should have, because I, I feel like I'm lower on, on Miami than consensus, but they have a Tyler hero, bam and Jimmy Butler is a really good trio, a really good trio. And then they have some, some role players that I like too. I, I like Gabe Vincent. I like Max Struess. Um, I like Caleb Martin actually a lot too. Um, and they could just use one more piece. I, and I think if I had to point to something, it'd be a score. Yeah. Just someone who can give you points when you're struggling because Jimmy's not a score. Bam has improved offensively, but he's not a score. Kyle Lowry is for damn sure not a score. And it's really, it leaves, it puts a lot of pressure on Tyler hero every single night to carry a lot of the offensive load and Jimmy Butler. Um, so I'm trying to think again, just going kind of through this. There's not a ton, a ton of guys that come to mind, but I think Reggie Jackson would actually be a huge get. The more I think about it, for them, um, and just kind of split the point guard duties between him and Kyle Lowry. I wonder. I know. Um, I know we're a little bit too far removed, um, but I, I maybe it's a cap related thing. Um, but I wonder why there wasn't more talks with maybe Kyrie's just like not a Miami fit in terms of their strict heat coach. Hell no, dude. But Hell like, no. dude, dude, Kyle Lowry and a bunch of picks and you put Kyrie there and you figure it out. That is a really good team, in my opinion. There's and no I, way, no Pat way Riley. Pat Riley would ever yeah. let that happen. <laughs> That's fair, you bro. Imagine, dude, UD would beat fucking Kyrie's ass, dude. Like there is no way yeah. that he'd be fine with that. Not exactly like, a fit, but I I do think that 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 team would be scary with him. But there's probably a reason. Uh, I guess Victor's kind of a guy that Dude, they're the, hoping. I w- I was just gonna mention Victor, but like, this is the issue with Oladipo. Like he he will have like he looked really, really good, good when he came back, yeah. and then they ran him into the ground. Like I I was shocked shocked that he was playing back to back and that Spo was running him. He was playing like legit 30, 30 minutes a night. Yeah. I was shocked when I saw it. Um yeah. and then, you know, all of a sudden he's been out for two weeks. And yes. so you just can't trust that in the postseason. Um, yeah, you know, when you're playing for six straight weeks if you go to the finals. But I think Reggie Jackson would, would be an interesting pickup. I was just a little bit surprised um yeah. that they didn't, they didn't do, do anything, anything at all. Yeah, I wonder how, how because I'm sure they must have called Chicago about DeRozan. I, I wonder sure. like I, what those conversations were. A hundred percent, I think that'd be a cool fit. And I would have called Brooklyn about Dinwiddie. Um, yeah, if I'm if I'm them, I think he would have made a lot of sense, especially given Brooklyn's probably not like all that bent on on like making the playoffs this year. Even though I think they will. Um, but yeah, yeah, but... I was a little bit surprised. And then I guess the last team, I know we don't have only have a couple minutes left, but the um the Cleveland. I was surprised. They needed a sh- they needed a wing, dude. 
They need a win. I was surprised. And maybe it's like Okoro's kind of like kind of turning a corner, but it's like you can't rely on him. Um, and, and Dude, you talked about it, you know, when you have Jared Allen in the game and obviously you have Donovan Garland. Um, why am I blanking? Oh, Mobley Allen. And then that last guy, that last guy not being able to shoot next to those four makes it so much easier to defend you as a, as a team. You can just help off so much more and just one tweak of having a guy who can shoot and obviously also defend changes the whole dynamic of defending that team. So I was surprised too, bro. Dude, and the thing with the Coro, it's like, first off, it's one thing to be turning a corner and to show glimpses in <laughs> late January games against the Pacers. For but sure. like, it's a completely different thing with all the different schemes that go on in the postseason when you're playing teams, you know, three times in five nights. Yeah. Um, but the thing with the Coro is like his percentages have gone up, but like he's shooting like one three pointer a game. It's not yeah. like he's taking like a respectable PJ Tucker four to five to six three pointers a night in the corner where teams have to respect it. It's like if he's wide open, he yeah. can take the shot. Um, so yeah, I, I was just I was surprised because um, I feel like this team is good enough. I don't know if they're good enough to win a title, but I think they're good enough to compete out East. And I would have thought that, for sure. you know, like they're soon enough, they're going to be coming to the point where they're going to have to pay like that Darius Garland contract extension is going to hit the books and yep. they're going to need to pay Evan Mobley at some point. And so yep. to not go all in when you have these guys on rookie scale contracts is a little bit surprising to me. Dude. I mean, how, I I think J- I I don't understand why Jay Crowder is not a Cav either, yep. Or a Mav. Jay Crowder, uh, I know Jay Crowder's like in general not a needle mover, but on the Cavs, oh dude, I God. wonder I wonder what they could have offered. I I don't know if they have any picks left, but I mean OG, yeah, dude. dude I, even Cam Johnson, even like even one of the wings from from Brooklyn, like Dorian, Dorian. Or, or Royce O'Neal. Dude, like, they would be so nasty with Royce, Dorian, any of those guys. Jay, like it, yeah. it's a – you guys are going to see it in the playoffs. There's going to be a game opportunity. where everyone where, – where Isaac Okoro is taking way too many shots because he's <laughs> wide open every possession, and that's just the game plan. And we're, me and Terry and me here, like, uh, we, t- we told you so. We told you so. But, all right, bro, we're running out of, of time, and we probably don't want to make another meeting just to talk for one minute. So I thank you for coming on, bro. I had a blast. And uh, now that I don't have basketball, bro, we're going to do this every week. You know, all right, bro. schedule permitting. Uh, thank you, thank bro. Thank you, bro. Thank you for tuning in, guys.